Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Please back with us again. We love when Wayne Klingman joins us. We also know him as Mr. Big. One of these guys who just uh, loves history, particularly Vegas history, and particularly history from the mob and so forth. And everybody's interested in that. We have a museum in Vegas, the Mob Museum. There's just a love of it. He wrote a fantastic book, The Life and Times of Frank Ballesteri, The Last Most Powerful Godfather of Milwaukee. And I found that book fascinating. If, if you haven't gotten it yet, do get it. And I think what's interesting about that, Wayne, is it seems like every big city had a guy like Frank, right, who uh, was kind of the, the king of the town, and there was always seems to be a connection to Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even even the little city at the time, Madison, Wisconsin, right, had not only a mafia family, but they had a slight connection to Las Vegas, of all things. You know, they were everywhere. They were more powerful than we give them credit for, and they all seemed to have fingers of one sort or another into the great city of Las Vegas. Well, Ballesteri was an interesting read because you talk about him and he's one of those guys that you don't mess with. I mean, you just read that and you get right off the bat, uh, if he doesn't like you or finds no. that you need to be uh, handled, it's not going to be pleasant. No, no, no. The idea of um, some guy, I forget the person's name, excuse me, you know, insult him to his face, now they can't find his, right? <laughs> yeah. After his car blew up, right? No, he was never... Actually, he was never charged for that, nor convicted of that, but yet many people think he blew that poor man up. The same thing with um, Frank Lorenzenthal. Many people, to include myself, believe that after everything went south, that um, he thought, let's kill Frank Rosenthal. Makes perfect sense to me. What is it you think about the mafia? I get asked about your book all the time, and I think... People just love this stuff. I, I, I guess it's it's kind of a different culture that if you're not in it, you don't understand it, and yet it is just kind of fascinating because it it is its own its own set of rules and so forth. Yeah, well, the popular media goes a long ways. I mean, we've all seen The Sopranos, right? Um, in TV, the movies show us one side of a multifaceted, unrealistic portrayal of the real-life mafia, right? They don't portray... The hard the, or evil things they do, the drug importation, the drug sales, the prostitution they're involved in, all that got, got, all that stuff, right? They do go out of the way to show the mafia guy going after the pedophile, the mafia guy making sure the world, world down the street gets something to eat for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. They want to show us the side that brings them viewers, but that's also the side that people find fascinating and really, in some senses, a side that did exist. Al Capone did feed the homeless during the Great Depression. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, well, you know, it's real interesting because I've been kind of on a kick. You know, I go through old shows, and my kick lately has been The Untouchables. And, you know, a lot of those stories, and, and I find Elliot Ness fascinating, although it's nothing like the Robert Stack character. But it just seemed like there was this, like, almost a chess game going on bet yeah. between some of these smart guys that were working in government with some of these guys. Some of the really best businessmen in town, you kind of wonder how they could have done in a, uh, in a traditional business setting because they just seem to have a good feel for what uh, their audience wants. 
absolutely. I think that the people that do our entertainment understand what people want. They don't want the understanding of the little guy can't go against the big guy. It's really hard for the guy down the street having a bad day to do much about it. I had the fantasy that, Mike, if I lived next to Tony Soprano, all the things Tony would help me with. When we had roofers on my roof that were screwing things up, I would give him my right arm. That Tony <laughs> Soprano was my friend. You yeah, know. I mean, that goes back to The Godfather with the, yeah. the scene of the wedding where this was a chance to get even with people that, you know, do you want justice? Yeah, I want justice. Well, it's your justice, and uh, I guess I guess there's that appeal to it. There's an appeal. And then you get the whole thing, too, is when you look at New York, let's use New York as an example, right, with the, with, with the Javis Center, right, with all that concrete that was supplied by the mafia, right? Did that hurt people? Uh, it kind of sort of because maybe they paid a little bit high prices for that concrete. But at the same time, it also employed an awful lot of people who may not have been able to get a job anywhere else. Well, you know, the mob, too, and Vegas just go together, right? I mean, yeah, let's sure. face it. And, you know, I know you love Las Vegas, and, and you're fascinated by that. I guess it was just kind of built for that, right? All the, you know, the vices are all on the table, and right. some are legal, some aren't, but that's where they naturally were attracted to. I mean, to me, now, I've been looking at my good guy, Tony, guy, I can't pronounce his name, I apologize, but they call him the hat, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he was in Vegas for a while. He did some off-shore gambling boats outside of L.A. for a while, right? He would come back to Vegas and die gambling at a table mysteriously. Right? I mean, he did it all. I mean, he, he came to Vegas. He saw the opportunities, especially with the Hoover Dam. He knew that those people wanted to do something on weekends. Uh, they're done building the dam. Let's give them entertainment. Let's give them the taboos. Let's give them the broads. Let's give them the fun places to do stupid things. And let's make money how we're doing it. And that's an award-winning situation. Well, you know, the thing is, too, you hear people all the time go, boy, I wish the, the mob was running the place. I don't know if they really mean that. But there was this idea that when the mob was running Vegas that, you know, gambling paid for everything and everything else was a bargain. And it certainly was run differently than it's run now. Yeah. I will say this much. And um, with no offense meant to the fine people of Vegas law enforcement who are doing a very good job under trying circumstances, some of the problems that the, the, that's faced downtown and faced on the strip would not be happy that the mob was in charge. Those thugs trying to carry guns, those guns trying to rap, those thugs trying to rap people would be dealt with. They would never be seen again. Again, I think Vegas uh, appeals to a side of us that at some level everybody has, whether they just want to be naughty once. It's, it always feels like the, the trip to Vegas is kind of an escape. And a lot of people that think they have, and they do it, they have a great time. And so they're really they're doing nothing illegal. They, they may be just things that they think about. But it, it, it's just a different side that you can address once in a while, I guess. Some well, less than others, obviously. Well, to me, to me. When I go to El Cortez this fall, late, early spring, right, I do my research on my upcoming book and Frank going to Vegas, Frank, my guy's Frank activities within the scam, I will stay at El Cortez because it's a, it's a hotel that's rooted in Vegas mafia history, right? I will go to Bun- Binion's to play at least one night because when you got Pat Cow- Cowgirls there, you've you got to like Pat Cowgirls, right? <laughs> but you also have a great tradition with Benny and bringing the poker to the city, right? And he was not necessarily the nicest guy in the world either, but they both worked hard. The people that brought Al Cortez in, Benyon, to do what it takes to give people a nice, safe place to gamble 
lose your money, and have fun. Well, you know, that is really the truth, because I remember when I just turned 21, you want to do something, and the thing that you learn about Vegas right away, and I guess at the time Reno was like that too, it was the one place where you could walk around with money in your hand, lots of 20s, and nobody even looked at you, you know? And it just was a funny thing that there seemed to be a feeling of security. I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but, you know, they didn't want any trouble. That was the whole idea. I think, in my opinion, if I went it big, I'd say the D, mm-hmm. right? And by the time I got done t- t- uh, tipping out all the dancing dealers, I had any money left, right? Mm-hmm. I could I could ask for somebody to walk me to my car. They'd be more than happy to do that. If they went, if I wanted them to send me a check, they'd be more than happy to do that. Wire me the money, they'd be more than happy to do that. They want me to be safe at all times, right? I, I, I know I talked to Heather Ferris, and she's up front. This place you can go in Vegas, not a problem. This places that you need to stay away from, right? And oh, yeah. Okay. This, this place is in my hometown. You have to stay away from. This place is in Milwaukee. You have to stay away from. But exactly. you know. Where to stay away from, you know the things not to do, you're pretty well off. Because your old man like me and the hat babe comes up and says, I'm going to go up to your room for a while, you know less trouble. Yep, you know you know right away, right, Wayne? It's one of those things, okay, this doesn't happen every day. There's something no. amiss there. No. You mentioned Derek Stevens before, and Derek has yes, certainly has got no connection with any of this stuff. But Derek kind of feels like a throwback, not not to the illegal stuff at all, but just the idea of the old days of Vegas where you yeah. really took care of the visitor and yeah. so forth. Seems like he gets it. Yes. When he pointing up his own money to bring people to Vegas, remember that? Yeah, I do. I mean, he I don't know how many millions of dollars that must have cost him, but he did it to show that Vegas was still there, that wanted to walk in people and give them a good time. I have nothing but the highest respect for, for him, highest respect for Derek. I, I can't think of any more any more of a human being that I respect more than him. Well, let's talk a little about you, Wayne. And you're you're a really interesting guy, great writer, prolific writer. Now, yes, you, you you mentioned uh, with the Milwaukee Mafia and Frank, you're looking to right now. You're kind of in the uh, research mode. You want to do a follow up, and that's going to actually involve uh, more about Las Vegas, if I understand it right. Definitely, because with um with Ellen Cook dead, God rest his soul, right? Mm-hmm. He was involved with the whole um, Argent situation. He was the main, main, main player, testified at the court trial about the mafia being in Vegas, right? With him being passed, we now can look at his FBI information, right? We can look at his serial tools. What do they have to say? We get some, though, we can go to some of the banks. We can find out their records, because, again, he's dead, right? I want to know what banks they used potentially find out who was running those banks at the time, what relationship they may have had at the Mafia at that time, or other groups of people. Is there such a thing as the Mormon, ma- Mormon Mafia that I keep hearing about? Is this one of these myth things that we hear, you know, word on the street, is that there's such a thing? Did it exist? I don't know. I no idea. But it makes some sense. I mean, if I'm a banker and suddenly you know, this guy comes to me with all these loans even though they're the, through the Teamsters, they're picking me for a reason, Right. You know, and, and then we had the nice personalities. We got Alan Dorfman, another man that was involved out of the Chicago outfit, right? Who's now murdered down the line. We got Jimmy Hoffa, the Teamsters loan, which is what murdered down the line. It, how much of the situation with the skim plays in their demise? 
You know, I have a question. Do you ever get hassled by people? Because I know there's still organized crime around. It's not It's not like it once was. And I know what you're talking about is vintage stuff from back. But have you ever had anybody uh, pay a visit, Wayne, or say, like, hey, you better stay away from this? Or is it- No. Um, funny you should ask that question. We did a free showing for my movie, which is available on YouTube. Um, we did a free showing of my movie at a... Uh, Masonic Lodge here, and in comes to see the movie is his Frank's last surviving son, who threatens me, who threatens my director. Mm. Yeah, many, many, I'm 60, at the time I was maybe 59, mm-hmm. so Joe must have been close in his 70s. Right now we've been, you know, so we had two old men fighting. Jason Love, who was also threatened in my opinion, is a, built like a fire plug. He used to wrestle in high school. Right? That would have been a very, very short fight. But yeah. again, it's, in my opinion, it was an older man with his cronies looking for some attention. Now, he also claims to have a book. I'd like to see that book come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fascinating stuff. You know, and you write a lot of stuff. And what I, I find interesting is, in addition to this kind of thing, you write some uh, fiction, which is some really interesting stuff. Uh, we got one. We won't get into too much detail. It's a family show, but really, it's kind of a real seedy look uh, into one of the raunchier sides of. Uh, right. If you're talking Elias, Mr. Big, which is a yes, book I, I recommend, <laughs> if you're over the age of eighteen, right? It's a fun read. Right. It's a fun read. Imagine me, me, Wayne Cleveland, aka Mr. Big, in 1920s owning a bar and having access to what that bar during Prohibition would have valued me, and you're not far off the mark. Well, yeah, exactly, and it's funny because when I looked at it, I thought to myself, well, this reminds me of The Untouchables if they had The Untouchables after dark (laughs) because, you know, it was some of those scenes, but then what you see with the door shut is actually what you cover uh, right in front of us. But, I mean, again, you can write fiction. You can write nonfiction. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And you also write a lot about Vegas table games. And I want to get into that because your series is great for people that kind of want to come out and play. They, You know, maybe maybe this will be their first trip to Vegas or one of their earlier ones. Or maybe they just never – some people are afraid of table games. You know, they'll play the slots and stuff, but they're afraid of it. And I think yeah, you kind of help people right from the start. I mean, you have kind of an affinity for them. It's like, okay, let's learn it and learn it the right way. Right. I, I can tell you this. Um, when I go to our local Indian casino up here and they do a nice, nice job, they usually have an area where they will teach you how to play blackjack and stuff. They want to make it as easy for you as possible to play the game, right? But many people still are scared. Oh, I don't know the terms. I don't know what to do if this happens. What does this mean? So I wrote the Mr. Big line, which you can all get as an all-in-one, findable on Amazon, right? Um, Mr. Big Talks for it all-in-one. You can get, I think, five bucks in Kindle. If I may put that book briefly, it will teach you the basics. So at least you walk into the table to play craps or play blackjack or play Texas Hold'em poker. You know, you have some idea. You're not there as a room out off the street. Glossary at the end is great. You learn all the terms. It's like a reference uh, book that you can just cut that part out and take with you. Because, yeah. you know, there's nothing like kind of knowing where, where you're saying things and you're saying the right things, you know it, and you're, you're kind of like one of the people that are in. And that feels good, you know, and there's no yeah. reason people can't do that. No, people, people can't do that. There's no reason, in my opinion, strongly, 
especially if you go to a nice place like Derek Stevens' ass, say the D, or the Four Queens, which is another place I like to recommend, right? Is they also want to go all the way to make you feel as comfortable as possible. But you go with a little bit of terms, you know a little bit of the terms. Again, you don't feel like the kid off the street. You feel like you've had some experience. You're not being stupid. Right. What's your favorite game? I mean, are you a craps guy? Or craps, are you baby. A craps. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people get afraid. They, they get really afraid of craps. They, they, they get scared like they're, gonna, they're not going to know what to do. And actually, it's really not that complicated a game, is it? No, 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 no. I mean, what, if you really feel it's really that not hard, you feel that that comfortable, you can also find them online. They're free craps games you can download on your iPhone, download on your, I, I, your Android. As you read the book, right, as we get my foreign one, as you read that book and within that book, craps, you can follow along, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a great way to start anything out. Texas Hold'em Poker, I would recommend that you play a couple games online. You read the books early. You go to one of the maybe, maybe we have what they call bar leads, or bar, bar leads leagues here that will do Texas Hold'em, right? And maybe play, 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 I'm sorry, play there a few times. Yeah. So you get more of the feel of the game. Yeah, well, and that's one of those games where you're playing against other people and there's there's certain strategies, but with, like, craps or blackjack, it's one-on-one against uh, the dealer, and, you know, your your decisions matter, but you don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself or anything like that or getting getting taken from somebody because somebody knows how to bluff or something. You don't have to worry about that, and yet have a lot of fun. Yes. Well, what I like about craps is you, I feed, can't say for everybody else, but I feed off the table crowd. Yeah. You get some hot dice, and you make your points, people get excited, and people clap. And I have to tell you, Mr. Big's a pig, right? I'm making my point, points, the girls are happy, the girls jump, the girls hug, right? And yeah. who doesn't want that? Who does not like that? <laughs> well, it's one of the most fun places. You know, when you think of a casino, and you hear people screaming and yelling, chances are they're doing it from the craps table. And I think it's the most... Uh, it's got the longest history of, you know, you think back to all guys and dolls and to, yep. you know, all that sort of things. Dice is, a, is just a lot of fun, and uh, and you can do it as, a, it's it's fun. You go by yourself and have fun, go with a group and have fun, and that, that's kind of the yes. the part of the game that's just so attractive. What I also like, if I may, may this for an aside, is that you have a lot of people out down in the Vegas area that do video blogs. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see, because you can see the hotel, you can see the games, but you can also see how nicely people get back, get along with each other, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, people fighting back and forth. You have people saying, hey, I met you, you know, why don't we play for a while, maybe we'll get lunch here. Have you tried this slot? Have you tried that slot? Stuff like that. This show's coming to town, right? And then Binion's for a while, I don't know if they still do it, but they also had a show they could see on YouTube with their cowgirls dealing the games, right? You could get to know that environment better. I like that sort of thing. I want to recommend everybody who's out there to take the opportunity to watch some of the video bloggers and their biggest adventures. Well, you know, Wayne, you sound like a guy that really enjoys downtown. I mean, that's, for the real gambler, I think that probably is uh, perhaps the most attractive place, unless, unless you're going to play big, big dollars. That might be the most attractive place to go. Yeah, well, me, I have an agenda. Again, I, I have to, before I die, stay at El Cortez, right? I got to. It's like a law, right? <laughs> I got to play some blackjack at um, the old Hooters place. I get what's called now, right? Yeah, oh, oh yo. Oh, oh thank you. I got to play blackjack there because I understand they have a really, really, really low table limit, and they also have Hooter Girls, and you can't beat Hooter Girls. 
You also have three to two blackjack, which nowadays that used to be the norm everywhere, and now there's a lot of places on the strip in particular where it's all six to five, and that's less fun. Well, to me, to me, what really bothers me, if I can have a pet peeve, is some of these places are going away from human dealers to machines. I'm sorry, I want to play crafts with a human dealer, right? Yeah. At the end of my night, if I'm having a nice night, if I'm having a nice time, I want to give her a black chip. I want to. I want to have that experience. That to me is part of the experience. Not playing with something stupid like a machine for craft. Is there any place besides Oyo that uh, you like on the strip at all? You know, I always get the different problems between what's in the strip and what's on uh, what's on Fremont. So forgive me, right? I'm so confused. I'm old. Um, but I want to say, if I may recommend a couple places, right? Mm-hmm. Please, 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 go to Binion's and say, Mister Big sent you. Okay, we'll do I, that. There's a lot I, of good restaurants there at Binion's, too. You can have a lot of fun there. You can't. I mean, there's all kinds of good places. you got to eat Askers. you got to eat Askers Steakhouse, right? you got to go to the Mad Museum. Now, what's really nice is with any luck, with any luck, either myself or my director of my movie will be down to the Vegas Mad Museum to do a speaking tour. That's And, and that's and development, but that'd be a nice thing to do. I really, really would like that. I really would like to go to the plaque they have for Bugsy Siegel by the Flamingo. There's a lot of good history in Vegas. I mean, yeah, to me, Vegas is the clubs, Vegas is the casinos, and all that other good stuff. But there's a lot of good history in Vegas. Now, you know, you know you're, you live in Milwaukee. You live in a, in a you know, old, beautiful, old home in Racine, from what I understand. 115 yes, years. Do you gamble out there? I assume there's uh, you know Native American yeah, gaming. Yeah, there's, stuff. A, there's what they call Pinoanime Casino, uh, which is open now finally, and now that they removed, in my opinion, some of the more silly requirements. It's to me, it's a lot more fun place to go to. Um, the bar leads down here can be nice because even though we're talking, you know, it's, I think it's like a ten or fifteen dollar buy-in. You know, you can buy more chips you want to, so you might be down 20 bucks at the end of the night, right? You might walk off on a really good night with a couple hundred if you're lucky. But still, I spent 10 bucks on worse things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, the, what the heck, you know? Well, do you, ever, do you ever go out to Jersey at all, or is that... No, uh, sir, I'm not yet. I'm not yet made it to Atlantic City, and um, two reasons why. One has to do with an incident running to some people, not, I really doesn't know much about that, um, I didn't say anything. And of course, I can only go to, um, I can only go to Atlantic City if I would be able to meet up either with my co-writer for uh, Mr. Big Talks Flats or the famous mafia writer herself, Daniel Gomes. Well, Wayne, I don't care whether it's New Jersey, if you ever get out there, Havana, Cuba, which you're probably not going to get there, and of course, Las Vegas, which you're always going to come to. Absolutely. You love this lifestyle, and we love the stuff you write about it. Let's tell people how they can get a hold of all your books. Is it Amazon the easiest uh, way? You can easy way a couple ways. Well, my email, which is W-C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N at com. My Twitter, which is the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Mob, which is really good. You can also find me and all my books on my webpage, which is MilwaukeeMob.com. We will check them all out, and we're going to have you on again. Wayne, thanks so much. Good talking with you. Pleasure is mine, sir. Thank you so much.
What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. 